Hello, welcome to the Mixed Reviews. I'm Gavin. I cracked on that. Uh, Gavin, you are still going to puberty and it's fine. (laughs) It has been a long 33 years. Uh, Finally. (laughs) Finally. I'm going to be a man, Papa. Um, That's a weird way to begin this episode, isn't it? (laughs) Gavin, what does somebody say to us? (laughs) But, uh... It's very early in the morning. It is very early in the morning. It's a Saturday. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And we are here. I'm Gavin. I'm Louie. And we're here to talk today about our very special topic. Yeah. Selma Hayek. Selma Hayek is our topic today. She is. And I'm so excited. But first, I did want to get out of the way because we forgot to do it last week up front. Should we revisit some old business? Yes. Old business. Uh, So last uh, episode was... Uh, Mr. Michael Fassbender. Now, I don't know if you guys have noticed, we've, we're really doing our best to do uh, very few white uh, men. Yes, <laughs> that's like an active yeah. thing. <laughs> um, just because they're everywhere and uh-huh. they get everything. And they're the worst. <laughs> but, but Michael Fassbender was a special case, I feel like. Yeah, he's, he was. He's a, he's a really, as, a, as Dan recently put it, um, uh, he was the last thing invented by, oh, I wish I could remember who he said. Yeah, I get it right. Yeah. Some, somebody in, invented him specifically for the male gaze. Like oh, not, okay. not for the female gaze. It like, was like, he was like crafted in a lab for the male gaze. It was like Zac Efron and then yeah, Michael Fassbender. Then Michael Fassbender. And everybody was like, he's, he's cool. Yeah. He's cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> It's like also him and um, Tom Hardy. I feel like yes. in the same realm yeah. of like Tom Hardy's like the if you've ever seen the movie Twins and there's like the one twin who gets all the good traits and the one twin who gets like all the bad traits. Right. Physically, Tom Hardy's fine, but like he's the evil twin. Clearly. <laughs> right. Right. But he has also yeah. He's like if you're like into like dirtier, nastier things. Yes. Exactly. I feel like uh, Fastbender is like the nicer um, angel. <laughs> but uh, we took a poll as we do with all of our subjects. Right. And uh, I'm very disappointed in the results, but I, I will let you get to the results, Louis. Yeah, like. okay, so um, we <laughs> we chose four mo- movies that I thought were, like, representative. Um, maybe we missed one or two or a lot, whatever. Um, so in our poll, we got Hunger came in at 14%, Steve Jobs came in 13%, Frank came very close with a 33%, and 12 Years a Slave came out on top with 40%. And this was a total of 30 votes. Thank you for the one person who pushed Hunger into the 14% over Steve fucking Jobs. <laughs> yeah, yikes. Who voted for Steve Jobs? I, I do not know, but it must have been multiple people if you do the math. Um, I'm never going to do the math. Fred. <laughs> Frank is uh, Frank deserves its spot, uh, but I do want to say I still still think most of you have not seen Hunger, and you should go out and see Hunger if you go out go out to your film to your theater. It's wow. clearly it's been playing there since uh, 2011. Gavin's like really salty about the results. I'm, I'm salty, uh, but I'm very happy for you that you finally won one. Twelve years of slave. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of shade? <laughs> I finally, I finally found like one one, and it was like the most oh that Oscar nominated like yeah. best picture. Wow! So I'm just gonna take a moment to close the library. Then. The library is closed. Thank you, Gavin. And I think we should uh, move right along into our rewind. I took notes on Miss um, Salma Hayek. I had so much fun these past two weeks. Uh, Me too. Like watching her movies and reading up on her. So a quick bio. Um, for her, she was born in September 2nd, 1966. She is a healthy 50 years old right now. She is. And stunning. Stunning. Um, she was born in the, uh, I'm going to try and pronounce this town and, um, I'm a bad Mexican, I guess. Um, it's 
Coatzacoalcos. I should have just said Veracruz because <laughs> that's easier to say. Uh, that's where she was born. Is that is that the same town that she's from in Beatrice at dinner? No. Okay. No. Uh, in Beatrice at dinner, she's like from Xochipilco or something like yes. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that one I can like say easier because this one I could not say at all. <laughs> uh, her mom was an opera singer. And her dad was an oil executive who also ran for mayor once of their hometown. Um, so she was uh, born into a pretty wealthy, uh, good, well-to-do family. Um, her father is Mexican of Lebanese descent. And she has stated before that she considers herself half Spanish and half Lebanese Mexican. So that's kind of cool. Um, and you'll see that she plays a couple of like Middle Eastern roles in uh, yeah, movies. I, I was not expecting her to show up as an Iranian Jew at some right, point. But... Right, right. <laughs> and, and putting on that accent, she was like, you know what? Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she, as a, as a child, she was sent to, um, study in Louisiana, um, and then she came back to uh, Mexico City to study, um, at university there. Her first acting gig was starring in the title role of Teresa in a, ni- a 1989, um, telenovela. Um, she was 23 years old and that made her a star in Mexico. I love listening to her talk about that period too, about like the sort of, uh, because we don't have, like... Telenovela is the closest thing we have in America, as most people know, are kind of soap operas, right. but not necessarily because telenovelas are so much bigger and we don't have right. that experience. And so it's basically like she, I don't know, she was like, like rabid fans. Like right. she was like the Beatles of TV. Yeah. I was an overnight success in Mexico. I got a show that, you know, it wasn't like a primetime show and... Like, we had 61 points of rating, and they moved it up to prime time, and it was my first job, actually, you know, kind of. It was my second job, but, so it happened really fast. But what I really wanted to be was a good actress. So I went back to theater, and I did a play by Alan Aikburn, which was an ensemble piece. So I wasn't the star of it, you know, and it was a legitimate, you know, comedy. And I got like one of the best directors, most respected directors to direct me. And the day the the thing opened, and I I surrounded myself with like really good actors, but that were very popular also. They had cards that would say, I love you, Teresa, which was the name of my show. And they're like, ah, you know, and we had people sitting on the aisles. It was like a huge success, but it was not about my work. I I became a persona. I, I, and I, I knew that if I had any talent, this was going to kill it. I started all over again. I went to school. I took two years to learn English, to uh, improve in my craft, to settle down, get my feet back on earth and decide what I wanted to do next. And what I wanted to do next was to work here because what I always wanted to do was to do films. I, I was crazy about films ever since I was a little girl. And then if you can imagine being that young, like kind of hustling and you have your, I mean, the did you see like the opening um, clip of like the, the novella? Like yeah. she's like diamonds. Yes. <laughs> and it's like the hugest hair. It's amazing. Like do yourself a favor and just a, Type that in. Yeah, Google that. Teresa, a Selma Hayek opening, and it's amazing. Um, her first movie uh, was El Callejón de Milagros, um, also known as Miracle Alley, also known as Midak Alley. Midak Alley. Um, it came out in 1984, and she was nominated for an Ariel, which is a Mexican Oscar, 
That movie also is the most nominated uh, Mexican film of all time. Yeah. So casual, casual. Um, she moved to Hollywood uh, in 1991, actually, and faced a lot of challenges um, as far as, you know, uh, her English and all that. Um, but she met Robert Rodriguez, and he began putting her in her movies. Like Desperado was our first, I think. Um, well, she did. She did this one really strange. There was a series of TV movies Showtime did. Sorry, not interrupt. Um, <laughs> that was a bunch of remakes of a bunch of 1950s films, but remade to be edgier and more Showtimey. Ooh. Um, and uh, she did this movie also in 1994 called Road Racers, where it's her oh. and um, uh, David Arquette. And yeah, I know it's very strange. mega star David Arquette. And, um, there's this adorable scene where they go roller skating. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, that movie's on Netflix, and a bunch of those. I think there's four of them. They're on Netflix, and they're kind of interesting to watch. Really? Uh, yeah, you uh, you get the sense that like it's very 90s Showtime, but like it. they're all set in the 50s. And but it's like 50s with sex and swearing. Ooh, <laughs> Selma Hayek. <laughs> yeah, so steady. Ain't that something? Coincidence? I'm sorry, Donna. Dude, I thought you were taking me roller skating tonight. We are roller skating. <laughs> yeah, so Robert Rodriguez kind of like launched her American career with Desperado from Dusk Until Dawn. And in the 90s, she worked pretty steadily. She did Fool's Russian, Dogma, Wild Wild West, to name a few. 54. 54, <laughs> which I like just couldn't get... Through because of like well, horrible internet things. The, the TV, the TV, the original version, the theatrical version is a piece of shit. But I've heard right. the director, the director's cut is really good, and I didn't get a chance to watch it for this. I so. mean, I have heard Ryan Phillippe is super hot always and forever, so um, don't Did, carry that. Has way. he stopped texting you? I mean, he's like really bothersome. I know <laughs> now. I know why Reese just kicked him to the curb. <laughs> um, in 2000, Selma founded her own production company called Ventana Rosa. Um, in 2002 is when she um, released her breakthrough performance in Frida. That's kind of like... That's like your signature role. Yeah, she like yeah. catapulted into the A-list. Um, just kind of fun facts. She has two Emmys. Uh, one daytime Emmy for a children's uh, movie she made called The Maldonado Miracle. And also for a guest role in Ugly Betty, a show that she produced. Exactly. Um, she's married to Francis Henry Pinot. Yeah, people were real jealous of that on the yeah. internet. She, uh, who is the, the most casual French billionaire? Yeah, he but owns. That's, pe- people seem to be very angry. She's married to a billionaire. I'm sorry. Do not <laughs> buy. Buy exactly. Like, do not care. <laughs> like, do not care. She's exactly. living her fantasy. Exactly. Like, oh, oh, I'm so like, I'm so angry at you for landing a million a billionaire husband. Yeah, he owns like the brand that owns Gucci, YSL, Stella McCartney. He has a casual soccer team in France. Um, she's getting all the checks. She's living her best self. She owns all the animals. Yes, all the animals. <laughs> like, I love, love, love that. We were up to 30 animals. I, I, I swore no more. <laughs> and, and I was there, and a little puppy who was abandoned and was going to die. I won't tell you the sad story, because it's a comedic show, and I'll start crying. <laughs> he came to me, and I couldn't help him, and I picked him up. And um, his name is Ochoa after the, the goalie of the soccer team in Mexico. It was a welcome. And I took him, and then I was terrified. How am I going to explain this to my husband? I promised, I promised. And um, 
So I came up with this brilliant idea to pretend that I was having an affair. Mm. <laughs> and then... Ochoa. No, with somebody, to make him think I was having an affair, and at the end I would say, no, it's not an affair, I picked up a dog, and then he would feel better. <laughs> that I picked up a dog... This is clever. It's good, right, good plan, good plan. So I left him a message, you must call me at this time, we need to talk. It's very important. And I never do that, and this time, okay, what happened, what happened? And I said, listen, I feel so terrible. I don't know how to say this to you, and I, I know this is not, not going to go down well, and I'm really nervous, and please have mercy on me. Have, have patience, be understanding. It's just, it's been so stressful, and I'm so tired, and I was so lonely here for so many days, and you know, you do crazy things when you're in this state. And he said to me, oh, please don't tell me you picked up another dog. <laughs> like, one of the things I love about Salma is you can just sense she's such a personable human being. Yes. And so, like, I can just imagine her just, like globe-trotting, meeting every which person ever, and it's like charming the pants off of them, um, and I'm into it. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i really re- happy we picked her as a subject, even though she does have a huge filmography, and it, right. I must admit, like, for two weeks, like, man, this was... <laughs> this was It was. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, I had a lot of shit to watch. Absolutely. Uh, so, why don't we move into our picks? Okay. So, Gavin, what's your one-star review for Selma Hayek? So, I... There were a lot of them. And this is not her fault. Uh, right. One of the things we try and do on this podcast is make sure that we... When we're focusing on a subject, we're focusing on them. And so I try my best. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, but I try my best to not go after a film if a film is particularly bad. And, like, focus on the performance. If I was to go after the film... I would have picked Everly. Everly is a piece of shit. Yeah. We can talk about that later. Right. But I think if I have to pick a one-star movie that she's not particularly great in, and I don't want to give her 100%, 100% the blame, because I'll be honest, there's a lot of bad movies that she's in, but she's always good. She's always good. She's one of the most consistent people we've done so far. Like, there never feels like a, a movie in which she's trying to cash a check. But there's this little film that she made... Um, in the early 2000s, in fact, it's uh, 2000, and it's called Time Code. And it's a film that takes place, um, it's four screens, okay. all at the same time, and it's a lot of actors, it was all shot in one take each, each camera's one take, and for an hour and a half, or an hour and 40 minutes, which is a really long time to keep a, a consistent take, it was shot on consumer cameras, so it looks like like anybody could have shot it. Right. And like I mentioned, all the performances are improv except for like specific points they had. This movie hit. sounds fucking crazy yeah. already. You're like four screens, shitty camera, <laughs> one take. Yeah. Let's go. So she plays an actress named Rose who's in a lesbian relationship uh-huh. with Janine Triplehorn, but <gasps> gasp, she's not just dating Janine Triplehorn, she's also cheating on her with Stellan Skarsgård, who's a drunk film executive who also has a drug addiction. But this movie literally has everyone in it, like Stephen Weber's in it, and um, um, I'm blanking on everybody now, uh, Saffron Burroughs, and... Uh, so big names, lots yeah. of big names. Well, these are, these are all people who were famous in the early 2000s, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and it, like they're all sort of giving their all. 
I think the problem with the film and the reason why Selma Hayek's not particularly good is she wasn't really given a character. There are like, you're a bisexual actress who's a jerk. And that's it. That's all they gave her to build on. And there's several parts in the movie where you can tell that she's like stalling because they're sort of waiting for the next thing to happen. Oh, okay. And I, maybe it's just because of her training or whatever. It just improv doesn't seem to be her thing. Right. You're an actress? Yeah. Are you here for the audition? Mm-hmm. You're pretty. You're pretty. No, you're like really pretty. No, you're beautiful. You think so? Yes. Did it's you go gorgeous. in already? Yeah. Was it fun? Mm-hmm. You going in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, good luck. Yeah, you too. You have an agent? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you're really pretty. I'm sure it'll be a star one day. Mm-hmm. It's weird to watch that watch her struggle so much. Apparently, they shot the movie four or five times, and the directive the that uh, the director gave them is they had to wear a completely different outfit. That way, they knew that there could never be any editing between the different versions right. of the film. So, there's definitely other versions of this out there in which, but she's just not. Go- she's just struggling. It's like watching her struggle, right. and I think that's really tough when she's supposed to be playing this actress who's not necessarily sure of herself, so you get that. And she's also keeping secrets, but, like, none of that comes through. And I really blame the director, Mike Figgis, of that. And apparently he went on to do another film, very similar with her, called Hotel, that I could find hide nor hair of. Like, I I searched and I searched for this movie. You're like, this movie is a myth. Yeah, and um, I wanted to watch all new movies and not really go back and look at the, the ones I'd already seen because I feel like my opinion is already sort of cemented of those things like Wild Wild West, right. um, the Desperado films, um, and uh, Frida and whatnot. So, but Time Code's the one film I revisited because I remember really liking it as a kid. And I think I just liked what? the experiment. Yeah. I think I just literally liked the experiment of four screens simultaneously and huh. sort of having to choose what, uh, what to, you know. Your adventure. What, exactly. Exactly. So whether I'm watching like Glenn Heady as a psychiatrist or like Danny Houston as a security guard, uh, and focusing on them, but, Hey, yeah, it just, it's a mess. It's a messy experiment, and she's not very good in it. Um, and she's basically the star. Yeah. Even though you have so many different things to focus on, she's basically, like, the main storyline. I've noticed that's a common theme, like, with these, like, kind of tinier movies. Everyone's like, let's just put Salma's name on it. And, like, yeah. put her, like, naked on the cover. And, um, like, you know, we can sell this movie, and uh, she's in it for, like, a minute or whatever. Or, like, she plays a lot of girlfriends, too. So <laughs> many girlfriends. So many girlfriends. But, uh, but yeah, that's my, uh, that's my one-star review. I, I actually could talk more at length on that, but I feel like I hit the, the points. So, great. Louie, what's your one-star review? It's funny, because mine for sure is Everly. Yes. <laughs> good. I was hoping it would be. Um, like, uh, I think she gives a good performance, though. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I think her career has been, uh, like, kind of riddled with roles of, like, being... She is, like, the proto-sexy Latina, yeah. like... All in the American conscious of like, and we, we have, you know, now, um, Eva Longoria and, um, oh my God, I'm blanking out, uh, Penelope Cruz. And yeah. there's lots of like other, um, uh, Latin actresses who have kind of come up through the same vein as her. And not that like they're all terribly similar, but they've had to play the same like role. Yeah. They have to play the same game of like, 
well, of course I can play sexy Latina, like... Right, and, exactly. And here, Ooh, I'm so exotic, right. even though I'm from a country that's, like, literally... <laughs> hello, right Yeah, there. exactly. Our neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I think she was, like, the first one to enter, like, the American mainstream of doing that in the modern age, I, I guess I'd say. Absolutely. And this movie is, sort like... Of modern Ida Lupino, if you will. <laughs> yes. I've never heard of. Um... <laughs> This movie, like, exemplifies all of those things, uh, where it's basically, based so Everly is a story about a woman who is captured and is a sex slave for, like, for four, four years. years. Yeah. For four years. Um, and she has to, like, escape this hotel, um, and, you know, try to save her mother and child. Um, essentially, it all takes place in the hotel, like, this yeah. room. You betrayed me. You will die in that room tonight. My men are already there. What are you going to do? I have a plan. Mom, you need to see me so I can give you enough money for you to start a new life. You're not going to make it. I'm not gonna die tonight. And it's really gory. Um, and it's fucking awful. It's like, it's such a, it's such a, like, uh, I've never seen a movie that be so full of itself and yes. like make it, like, make its star go through so many things. She's like soaking in blood, you know, like wearing a little negligee. You know, there's like um, notes of Kill Bill. Like, well, that's that's exactly. I I wrote down when I was watching. I was like, Americans shouldn't make Korean revenge dramas, especially if their right. only in point is Quentin Tarantino. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, this person thinks that they're trying to make some like. Yeah. Remember Kill Bill? Yeah. Because because this... like it starts off like all these has. A, this is a 2014 movie, so this is not an old movie, by the right. way. Um, and it was direct to like iTunes. Um, it wasn't even in. It was like, direct to the garbage can. Yes, exactly. And um, all the like, it starts off with like the assassins are all Asian men in suits, but it like it gets progressively more right. ridiculous. Like it's, it's women dressed as cheerleaders. Yeah, so it's like, like the 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 lo- the overlord guy. He like tells all the other prostitutes or like sex workers, if you kill her, I'll pay you money. And right. so like literally an army of women wearing ridiculous like sex things sex I, things stuff i feel like this is this is a mean judgment on the director i feel like he's never had sex before true yeah <laughs> that man does not know what sex is actually um and it's funny so selma actually gave an interview uh, to the guardian a while ago and it was like interesting because she talks a lot about feminism and what that yeah. means to her because she has like kind of interesting thoughts on that um but she even says at the very end of it, the interview is mostly about the prophet. And at the end, she's like, oh, I have all these other things coming out also. She's like, um, there's Everly. But she's like, but I don't want to talk about it. I wish that movie would go away. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, and I was reading up more oh, on, on that movie. And like, so first of all, that movie was on the blacklist, whatever. Yeah, yeah. in and, 2010. And I realized, oh, I thought the blacklist meant they were good. You know what? I, I the fallacy of the blacklist. By the way, if uh, if you in the audience don't know what blacklist is, every year there's a a list that comes out of the best quote unquote best unproduced screenplays in Hollywood. And let me tell you, in the last couple of years, all the movies that have been produced off the blacklist have been fucking awful. Yeah. So it's a huge fallacy. It's it's bizarre though because I remember when like it, the emergence of this list came out, everyone's like, "Oh my god!" Like you got to produce these. These are hot properties. And then I saw this and I was like, Dina, you're a liar. Um, also, it was supposed to originally star Kate Hudson. Yeah, she was attached in 2012. As like, kind of like, she was going to take a turn to like more action-y roles. Yeah. And I, I don't know why she, you know, left the project. Um, but, you know. <laughs> Best move you've made in the last 10 years, Kate Hudson. Right. Kate Hudson was like, nope, bye. Um, it was so good to see her in that movie uh, with Amy Schumer, though. The, <sighs> oh, that's her mom. Womp, that's... Womp, womp. <laughs> Snatched. 
Um, this movie is really bad. It, it plays into all the awful stereotypes and things that I feel like Selma has had to work so hard to like, you know, get away from. Yeah. And maybe that's what she thought she was going to do. Like, you know, maybe she thought like this is like a really gritty action role, but literally the camera just like lingers on her the entire time she is being used for her body. Um, yeah. and, and it's, it's just like the grossest. There's, there's an actual villain called the sadist. Yeah. There is. There's, and then another one called the maskist. You're right. Because it was clever. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the amount of Christmas carols I had to fucking listen to. Oh my to. God. The fucking in-domain Christmas carols. Right. And the, I, and so bad. I, and just like, listen, I, I'm an adult. Like I've heard bad words all my life, but I don't want to sit through an hour and a half of the heroine of a film being called a bitch, a whore, a slut, over and over and over again, right. as though these are, like, weapons to hurt her, to demean right. her as a person. There's literally the longest scene in the movie is she's tied up and tortured, and the camera lingers like it's an erotic scene. Right. And it's like, no, this is, like, why are you doing... It it's is not an empowering role. Absolutely not. It's like, gratuitous in the most disgusting way. Yeah. And I do feel like she... I will once again defend her performance. I think she gives her... I think if there's one thing that elevates the film, it's that it's her performance. And with a with a lesser actress, it would have been completely unwatchable. Right. But I stuck it out. I did fast forward through some of the parts where I was just like, violence, 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 violence. Uh, but, uh, but I stuck it out because I wanted to see her prevail. But she doesn't. No. She fucking dies in the end for no reason. She doesn't. She doesn't. There's like a thing right before the credits where you hear like the heart monitor yeah, and you hear right. her gasp. But like but really, I, the I, last scene, the they... last scene, it would took it was it was taking so long and like Silent Nights playing, bleh, and I was like, oh, she went through all that and still died. And she's not. She's just not a character. And so there's no character arc. And so she's just punished. Right. Yeah. And I was like. Wow, they really put her through all that. This is fucking disgusting. And then at the last second, <gasps> yeah. and I was like, "Oh, I, does, does he feel good about that? Does he feel right. good like he like let her live in the one last second?" Like, <laughs> yeah. barf. Um, I, I just want to touch down on like, so Selma Hayek is beautiful. Yes, a lot of her career has been made on her beauty. Yeah, and um, like I said, she came from a well-to-do family in Mexico. Um, and I. It's hard to talk about her and not at least mention, you know, she has had to use her body. Yeah. Um, and, and I think Hollywood has taken advantage of that also. I mean, um, maybe her, one of her most iconic scenes is from, in, from Dusk of Dawn. Yeah. When she's literally, um, wearing nothing and she's a vampire stripper dan- <laughs> like, dancing for Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Super disgusting. And, oh yeah. Th- does she, is she the one that he drinks the shot from yes. her foot because yes. he's into his weird he's, foot fetish. And did you know about this? So uh, I watched all of four rooms and yes. she's not in it really. She's, da- she's a dancer on TV. She's a dancer on TV. And apparently she, um, they asked her, Robert Rodriguez asked her to be a dancer on TV, a stripper. And so she was, and Quentin Tarantino is also in that movie saw that and was like, I want you to dance in my movie um, from Dust Till Dawn. And that's the connection that was made there. I mean, she works, she has worked with Robert and Quentin Tarantino like over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she said that there was no choreography. There was nothing like they were like, here's a snake. Here's a bathing suit. Dance. Oh my God. And like we were saying, she's like not really good at improv. Like, I don't think the dance is really particularly no. sexy. Um, and I was just watching it and I was like, do straight people think like this is hot? Like the, uh, the there's a counterpoint to that scene that works really well. There's this movie she made um, in uh, the early 2000s or mid uh, 2011. Sorry, not even early 2000s uh, called Americano. 
uh, and it's with um, uh, Matthew Demi, who is uh, the son of Jacques Demi and Agnes Varda, which is like, if you're a film person, like, you know those names. Jacques Demi made a ton of really famous French films. Agnes Varda has made a ton of really uh, famous French films. And she plays uh, a, a exotic dancer named Lola. And her big scene in that movie is she comes out and she sings this song about how she's tired of America. But the this is the only like one fantasy moment in the movie where like she stops singing in the middle of it, just continues to dance. And she doesn't fully strip. She's wearing pasties. Um, but the song continues. I'm going to a town that is I was like, damn, this is erotic. Yeah. I was like, this is, and I loved every second of that, uh-huh. but it's funny to like, yeah, to, to see earlier in a career when she had a very similar scene. And right. Like, I mean, I, I think it's weird because there are some movies where I'm like, wow, she's really sexy. I think yeah. she's really sexy in El Cajon de Mikalo. She's literally just like washing her hair yeah, and she's wearing like a nightie and I was like, she looks hot and it's sexy. Um, but when it like, but that's not for the male gaze or, you know, like it's not, it doesn't right. feel exploitive um, as opposed to it from Dust Was On. I'm just like, I am grossed out. And when, and maybe maybe right that's now. a huge difference between like a foreign filmmaker versus an American filmmaker is like we have a tendency to to sexualize every part of a woman. Right. And so I think it, it wasn't it a rare treat when we found a movie that wasn't her just completely yes. being sexualized. Well, that's what I, I want to bring up a bunch of stuff to early career. As you mentioned, like she had to use her body. Uh, when we first started this, I got really nervous because I watched a bunch of movies where her character literally had no agency. Right. Um, no story at all other than she was there to support the men. And I want to call out movies like Fled, which is uh, this really terrible... Wait, I saw that. Hold on. Yeah. Oh my god, I did see that. That's yeah. really fucking bad. Lawrence Fishburne, Stephen yes. Baldwin vehicle. Oh my god. Um, it's, it's from uh, 1996. Uh, and she plays, like, a Mexican immigrant who, like, her love story in the movie is that she, like, snuck across the border right. and fell in love with the fucking uh, immigration agent right. who right. deported her. And he, like, did such a service by marrying her. And then he, like, left her, though. He brought me to the States. First to California. And then we moved to Atlanta, Georgia. And then what happened? He left me. So, I was stuck here with no money, no friends, no family, and no job. No familia, no dinero, no trabajo. <laughs> Nada. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> so what'd you do? I cried. I cried for a long time. But then I got my shit together. That's really bad. Chain of Fools that she did in 2000, which was directed by, first of all, it was directed by five men oh. na- named Tractor. That's their directing group. Uh, she plays a detective in that movie where she right. unfortunately has to be in love with Steve Zahn. And I like Steve Zahn. And <laughs> Steve Zahn, who comes back in her career later. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, uh, and in that movie, she's literally not given a role other no. than, like, she's, she's quote-unquote a detective. You never see her do any detective work. No. She's just there to sleep with Steve Zahn. Correct. Tell me something, Tress. What's that, dear? How could I have fallen in love with a gunman? Gunman? Yeah. 
It was you and Ballinsworth who stole those coins. You killed those cigars in cold blood. And uh, I don't know where, I'm in love with you. And I'm like, why? The the Desperado movies where she's literally just a prop for Antonio Banderas right. to, to commit acts of revenge. Um, and it just goes on and on. Uh, and it's, it's it's sort of frustrating to watch. And I understand the one of the worst bits of this is uh, this Brett Ratner movie called After the Sunset. Um, she, it, she did it in, um, it, it's not even that early on in her career. That's what's crazy. It's 2004 and it's her and Pierce Brosnan as super thieves. Um, and they've stolen something and like Woody Harrelson was the FBI agent tracking them. And so now they live in the Caribbean and Woody Harrelson has followed them there because there's a, a boat docked on the, on the shore that has one of the world's most expensive diamonds in it. And he's like, they're going to steal it. And I'm going to catch them. And it's supposed to be this like charade esque love romance between her and Pierce Brosnan. But literally all this, like she's in a tank top for almost the entire movie. There's a part where she like goes to like fix a car or whatnot. And it's literally just her tits hanging out and bouncing. Right. I Googled Salma Hayek GIF. This was the biggest gif on... This was, like, the, the first gift. thing that showed up. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Right. Yes, she has tits. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, and Pierce Brosnan, I, I did watch the, his, her other Pierce Brosnan movie. I'll, I didn't. I did not like that movie either. There's one really funny scene where she describes a male orgasm, though. You should hear some of the stupid noises you guys make when you're... You can't even say the word, can you? Come on. What do we sound like? For example, you have the bear. Uh-huh. I can see your tonsils. Then you have the sports commentators. Oh, yeah. Baja la pelota. Recibe con el pecho. Mete mano en el área chica. Go! What kind of men have you been with? Then there's the quiet one. Oh. You finished? No. Oh, of course not. And then the worst one. The worst one is the Tourette's one. What? Shit, fuck. I love you. Fuck me. Oh, motherfucker, bitch. I love you. Fuck me, fuck me, fuck me. Hey, that sounds like you, Dad. She has no chemistry with Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, twice. It's twice. <laughs> Someone was like, you know what? Let's do this again. Yeah. At both times, he was an executive producer on the movie, so... Oh, Pierce, yeah. get over it. God. I do enjoy, though, that in both films... No, actually, don't enjoy it. This pisses me off. I do... that In both films, he's allowed to be sort of schlubby. Like, yeah, he has a yeah. bit of a stomach and everything, which, like, I'm happy to be able to present, like, a real man, especially since people, like, look at him and they still think James Bond. Right. But honestly... She has to be toned and tight. And like, right. Yeah, yeah. She can't be anything that yeah, she really anything but like super gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, I guess kind of leading towards like maybe better things. Um, early on in her career, she made that movie, which I always get the name wrong, with Matthew Perry. Uh, Fools Rush In. Fools Rush In. And I was like, oh, an actual fool like character. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know if, I don't know, I, 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 it's a good romantic comedy for yeah. its time. Um, and it's not just her being like, there's a little bit of weirdness where it's like, ooh, crazy, like Mexicans and white people yeah. together. Like, oh my God, yeah. Culture her, class. Her parents are like hot headed. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, uh, and like, and his parents are super waspy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, culture clash. Oh no. And what are they going to do? Like, yeah. Uh, that's kind of like silly, but uh, it's not just her like super sexualized and like, you know, uh, it's, it didn't feel as gross as the other, um, early movies where she's just like, you know, yeah, body yada yada. Alex, you have to be there every day. What do you think I've been killing myself for? Oh, come on. You knew about this for a month, but you don't include me. 
Why are you afraid of me? Why do you alienate me from your life? I don't, I don't know. <sighs> Look, I told you in the beginning, I have no problem raising this child on my own. I thought we were a family. You don't understand the concept of a family. To you, it's something you put up with on national holidays. Love, it's a gift, Alex. Not an obligation. There's some really rough things in there, but yeah, Fool's Rush In is a, it's a movie that I think is actually kind of delightful. Yeah, Matthew but, Perry at the top of his powers. Yeah, exactly. At his mo- could he be more Chandler? <laughs> Hello? Um, <laughs> they were like, um, we want you just to be Chandler. Yeah, and he's like, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, so I guess we should move into our four-star reviews. I'm going to let you go first, because I did the one-star review Great. Um, I... There's just, like, nothing else to say but Frida. Yeah. Frida... really isn't. ...is just a masterpiece of a movie, a Mexican Fantasia Wonderland, where I was just swept taken like i could not believe that this movie exists yeah was made um so happy and proud of selma for like willing it into existence um i uh i'm excited and happy that is it feels so specifically mexican it does which is crazy because julie tamar who directed it and like it's also julie tamar's masterpiece right but I'm so, I'm so happy that's a female filmmaker. Uh, but also, like, she's not Mexican. Right. But it, fe- like, she made sure. Yes. You're right. It definitely de- has, like, a Julie Taymor, like, feel. Like, she definitely has, like, an artistic vision. Sometimes it flops, sometimes it works. It works so well here. And I, I have to believe that it's because of Selma and all of the Mexican, um, artists she surrounded herself with. This movie is about artists and artistry, and it is art. Um, Selma, you know, I I hate when people are like, I was born for this role. But this is the motherfucking tea. Like, yeah. Selma was born for this role. Like, I she is so striking and just like um Frida was. Frida had this like crazy intense stare and she was a striking woman, a sexual woman who owned her sexuality. This movie this movie maybe has more nudity than like any other thing that I've seen Selma in. And yet it doesn't feel gross. It doesn't feel like she's being dehumanized. Um, she owns her sexuality. She's able to just like fully embody this character, this woman who is like a force of nature. I was watching this movie and I was like, Michael Jackson who? Because Frida Kahlo was back in the day owning monkeys and yeah. like doing crazy shit, <laughs> globe trotting, like living her we- own truth. Wearing men's clothes in a time in which like, like you right. could basically be arrested for wearing right. men's clothes. Um, I, I, I don't want to like romanticize communism or anything. But I was just thinking, like, I'd much rather watch her romanticize communism than watch her romanticize capitalism in September's of Shiraz. Boom, burn, <laughs> sick. Um, but I, all I could think of was, like, oh, man. No, they're coming to get us. I know. Oh, they're shit. like, communism? <laughs> get out of here. It's just a red herring. <laughs> it's a clue reference, if you... <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but... <laughs> um, I was just thinking, like, the movie's beautiful with... I, we don't see movies this bright and colorful. I was just like, oh, actual, like, deep, deep colors, like, that are bright and just, like, you know, in your face. The, the music, oh, my God. For those who don't know, and, and this is, like, a public knowledge, so this is not, like, a spoiler, um, 
in very early on in her life, Frida Kahlo was involved in a, a bus accident. Was right. it? It was a, a trolley. Trolley, yeah. yeah. And her um, body was pierced by a pole, right? Um, which left Frida Kahlo um, feeling a little less than um, like a person because it all, like it pierced it pierced through her vagina right. as well, and so it took some of the pleasure out of sex. And I don't remember. I've not rewatched the film. I don't remember if it really goes into that aspect. I think I, I read no. about that in, in yeah. books, um, but like. But I've heard Selma Hayek talk about that specifically and how when they did the scene, they wanted it to look like, because it was such a defining moment for Frida Kahlo, because it sort of took something away from her. Right. Um, they wanted that scene to look like a Frida Kahlo painting. And really, at the end of that scene, right before the, the brilliant, it is the Brothers Quay, uh, claymation sequence, um, she's lying on the ground and this pole is through her and it looks incredibly painful. But there's all these gold flecks yeah. of paint falling down on her. And it's also this really gorgeously composed, right. like, it looks like a painting. Right. Um, that The movie does that really well. It does it really, really well. And, like, but I like that she was um, so focused on um, Frida's internal life in a way that I feel like a lot of actors don't. Like, I understand a lot of actors take roles because the, like... They, they know, like, you know, I can get really deep into this, and this might get me an award, but that's not really important. But, like, really, I don't think there was anything behind Selma Hayek's uh, want to do this role other than she really wanted to explore the internal life of this person who had such an extreme outward life. Right. So for her to dig in so deep and want to take what she felt was going on inside Frida Kahlo and have it affect the world outside of her... It's it's wonderful. And it really is. I think I enjoy her in roles that are specifically and like emphatically like Latin. Yes. Um, when I saw her in uh, El Callejón de Milagros, I was like, oh wow! Like she's very herself, very comfortable. Yeah. Um, in Frida, you know, Frida's in English, but still, it felt like so comfortable for her to slip into this character, this person. That movie's um, uh, gorgeous, though. I mean the scenes where like they literally are the painted you know there's like the paintings that come to life yeah and i was just like blown away uh it's it's heartbreaking but also i mean god damn when she comes to her mexican like um exhibit in her bed yeah i was like yes queen work like <laughs> Frida. i've waited for a show in my own country my whole life i'm not going to miss it <coughs> 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 If the bronchitis gets worse, it will turn into pneumonia. <coughs> Frida, under no circumstances are you to leave this bed. I, I, I don't believe that ever before has a woman put such agonized poetry on canvas. Shut up, that song. Who died? The movie made buttloads of money, so yes. good on them. Got buttloads of like Oscar nominations. The, the Oscars they did win, I believe, were like a uh, costume and like set design or something. And which just like to me was like it felt so good because uh, that movie looks Mexican, it feels Mexican, and uh, she just did a great job. And like a, a little bit of like. Um, 
what, what am I trying to say? <laughs> um, like backstory, she like really fought for this movie to be made. Um, Jennifer Lopez was attached to star yes. in this for a while. I still remember that. This movie is 15 years old. It does not feel dated in any Absolutely way. Not. Like, and it, it's weirdly because I was watching it, I watched it last night and I was like, this movie, it feels like they don't make movies like this. Like I don't, haven't seen a movie that looks like this. They're like literally on Mexican like ruins, like yeah. filming up there with Jeffrey Rush and you know, and like I was just like, whoa, this, uh, it looks expensive. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't made for a ton. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's the thing. It yeah. looks really expensive. It has style. It's not just like, I, I imagine in another person's, um, like camera, it would just kind of be like a very straightforward narrative. This is like when they go to New York, you can like feel the art of that. It look, it looks like, uh, you know, Diego's murals. Right. New York does. Right. Exactly. It's, it's really brilliant. Yeah. And Diego this, Rivera. Sorry. I, I just realized I'm such good friends with Diego Rivera, even though he's you know, dead. Uh, <laughs> like, also, a quick aside, um, the smallest little Diego Luna comes out in this yeah. movie, and I'm like, he is so cute. He's in there for like 10 minutes, but I was like, yes. Hey. And you're like, in a couple of years, I'm going to watch you kiss that boy and uh, to Mama Tammy. Exactly. <laughs> like, I was just like, yes, you fun young Mexican actors <laughs> work. Um, I, I could go on and on, but uh, this movie by far is her masterpiece, uh, uh, signature Yes. A movie. Well, you got... What do you got, Gavin? Well, like I, like I said when we did Miyazaki, uh, I I think there's a clearly acknowledged masterpiece here, and that's Frida. So I, I won't talk about that more, because I think you handled it beautifully. As beautiful Thanks. as the film, Louis. Oh, thank you so much. The, um, but, uh, so, so highly recommend Frida. Go out, watch Frida. Um, so if I had to pick a, a second one, uh, just to... You know, one of the things I like about doing this podcast, it's giving me a chance to watch a lot of movies I may have missed over time. And I'm hoping, like, the people that listen to this, maybe it'll give them a chance to see some movies. So maybe sometimes some of my picks will be a little out of left field. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but we, we brought it up a bunch of times. Uh, you've, you mentioned the, the Spanish name a bunch of times, but, uh, Midak Ali. Mm. Um, it's one of her earliest films, as we mentioned, it's from 1995. Um, it's a film, it's done in a, structurally in a almost similar way to something like Amores Peros. It's a separated into four parts. Uh, the first three parts are the same story told from different perspectives. The, the, they're not all given equal time, which is sort of interesting. The first part is, about uh, this... Rutilio. Fa- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love his name so much. It's so good. Um, and he is an older man who's become dissatisfied with his wife, and he's gained the attention of a, a younger gay man that uh-huh. he totally wants to bang and continues totally. to do so. And his son uh, finds out, and chaos ensues from there. And his the, son, Chava. Chava. <laughs> the, I'm uh, sorry, I'm like so obsessed with like, these very specific, crazy Mexican names. Yeah, I... <laughs> Once I, I'll get back to the. By the way, um, she, so the second story is Alma, which right. is her character, um, and she is uh, the, the young beauty of the neighborhood. Which is funny because the, the very first time she's brought up, um, it's uh, Ruchava Ordilio, yeah, who says she's not very good looking, right? And then the next time you see him, he's like, "Oh, she's very good looking." Um, I'm like, "You gay?" Yeah, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> um, and. Um, she uh, falls in love with a young man who is the best friend uh, of Chava. Right. Um, and uh, she decides to sort of play hard to get. And then for for reasons that happen in the film, he has to run away to America with Chava. And um, she gets engaged to a, a rich uh, jeweler 
um, d- doesn't work out the way, but he's like a much older man. Right. By the way, there's a current in this film in which older people sleep with the younger people a lot. Um, there is. Ex- right. um, at the same time, she sort of falls under the gaze of this very uh, rich younger man, um, who, like, Finally, when she dis- when she accepts that she doesn't think her lover's coming back from America, she runs off with this younger rich man and disappears. And the- you find out he runs, uh, a- he's he's essentially a pimp. Yeah, he runs a brothel. He runs a brothel, and um, and like it's supposed to be like a higher class brothel, but you know how all brothels go. <laughs> but her segment is like forty to forty five minutes. Right. It's-, it's a vast majority of this film because it's it a- in a two hour twenty minute movie. It's not short. Um. And uh, the third story is uh, about the landlord of the house that uh, Rutilio lives yeah. in. Yeah, I can't, um, remember, I can't her name. remember her name either. But, but it's this it's great, so good. it's this great little comedy segment in this very dramatic film. It's like maybe twenty minutes is the shortest segment of them all. Is it like Sofita or like something? Something like that. Yeah. And they, like it's so funny because they spend the first, you know hour and a half of the movie like savaging her every time she's brought up she's like oh she's that rich bitch yeah and like who um, has bad teeth she has bad teeth exactly and she's just this sweet old woman yeah. who, not even old she's like this sweet like mid middle aged woman yeah. who happens to have money and she wants to like find love exactly and she's lonely and um and then finally the fourth part's called The Return and it's sort of what everything that happens afterwards um I know I I chided Selma for very early on in her career only playing um sex workers and whatnot but uh, this is the one exception because it really feels like she's it's a very it's a complete story you see her beforehand and this is not to take away from sex workers there's many successful people who not negative on sex worker but like this is a bad situation she gets like this man beats her and like that scene where he beats her is like i literally was like is this man actually hitting her? Right. Like she's so good in that right. scene. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and he's like genuinely terrifying. Yeah, he is, which is funny. Cause when he's first introduced, it's like, it's like, yeah. Oh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is like a good, like yeah. way, like to show like how, how these things could happen. Absolutely. And, um, uh, yeah. And I just really like her performance. And like, like I said, you know, she's in all of the parts because you're seeing the same story over and over and over again and you get to see her from these different angles her mother is a tarot card reader and um <laughs> yeah and like she has this relationship with her mother that i, I really thought was really fleshed out and i really liked and i there's these very innocent conversations about sex early in her the early parts of her story yeah um i love when she's first falling in love with uh uh, her America, her boyfriend who runs away in America. I wish I could remember his name. Yeah, um, he had a good name too. The 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 mom had a good. They all have really good names. Absolutely. And uh, she's asking him about sex if he's ever had sex yeah. with a woman, and it's this cute, adorable sort of, um, which eventually leads to some like maybe unpleasant stuff later. And but it's nice. To, it's it was refreshing to have like sex talked about in, like an innocent way, right? And not like a like it wasn't like an American sex comedy because yeah. they're teenagers. <laughs> Mira, yo apenas nos estamos conociendo. Yo te conozco de toda la vida. I do really recommend going out to see Midak Ali. Uh, as I was saying earlier, just to uh, bring up the interesting thing about the names. Uh, so Midak Ali is based on an Egyptian novel oh. um, from the 1930s. And it has, it's interesting to see this. Um, this Egyptian novel about this very specific time period, right. um, especially set amongst, um, uh, Muslim and, and like, right. yeah. it, and those values moved over 
to contemporary Mexico um, mm-hmm. in the 1990s. Right. Um, and it's, I don't know, like, I, it's very strange that they were able to pull it off so well. And it, it doesn't feel different than, uh, oh, sorry, the novel's from the 60s, but the, but it's set in the 30s. And, um, but yeah, it won, uh, if I can find this the one. Ariel. Oh, you're talking about the, what the book won. Yeah, what right, the book right. won. But it's, it's funny that, like, that's the, that, that's the reason why the movie has so many, um, different titles. It's yeah, because. It has, it has at least three different titles. Yeah, it's because the Egyptian title, what it's, what it's based on is, uh, you know, is a, a place in Egypt. Yeah, Midak Ali, and then, um, the, the Alley of Miracles. Yeah. And then El Callejón de Milagros. Yeah. Which is also a great name, by the way. <laughs> and, and you can find this movie on Netflix right now. Oh, can you really? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I had to, I had to search around for it, so I'm glad it exists. Um, it was the first thing that I watched in our, um. Nobel Prize. It won the Nobel Prize in Literature. That's, gosh. that's what I've been going for. Yeah. Not the Pulitzer. Shitty little prize it's called the Nobel Peace the, Prize. The Nobel Prize, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, that movie is really excellent. Also, it was literally made by, like, the University of Guadalajara or something. Yeah. Like, it is... You, and, and, you can, and, like, the look of the movie is really good. Like, it doesn't look bad. Like, yeah. the lighting in the film and, like... You can tell that they probably had some, like, limitations as yes. far as, like, effects go. Like, there is a scene where uh, uh, there's an attack on the gay lover. And yes. I was like... Huh. That's yeah. how they did that. There's there's definitely also uh yeah, some really bad fight like there's some there's like, some lo fi yeah. stuff where when it comes to like uh fighting or blood or something yeah. like that where you're like, okay, they 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 use what they had, uh but everything else, uh it, it's it's funny, it's you know, uh, sweet. Um it's very also like teetering on the edge of telenovela. Yes. Uh, my friend told me that um uh Rutilio's wife in this movie, she actually was a very, very famous telenovela star. Really? I, so, lo- I loved her. And so, like, there's a scene where, um, she, like, confronts him about, you know, cheating on her with a man, and he, like, starts, like, chasing her around the house, and she's like, I know! I! Like, and she's, like, giving full-on, like, <laughs> telenovela realness, like, por favor! I, I also have to say, like, I read the description of the novel, and it sounds like everybody in the novel's written to sort of be kind of bad. Like, <laughs> okay. like, her character description is, like, she chases her husband around with a shoe. And, like, I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah, and I was like, that's weird. So I'm glad, like, the, the movie chose to soften the edges of the characters and make yeah. it more well-rounded. It's, it's, a, it's a really good movie. Uh, it's, it's fun, but, like, there's, like, it's drama, it's comedy, it's everything. Like, yeah, it's, movie. And, it, and it's got, like, and I love that structure. I love, uh, I... I'm when my student film, my final student film in college, oh God, wow. was structured in a very similar way. So I'm actually happy I saw this so much later. So I wasn't like copying. But uh, you're like, but I'm a genius. I'm a genius, exactly. Well, <laughs> I mean, as long as you're saying it, uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, right. it's all matters. Um, I do want to, before we move on into our fast forward, I do want to give a shout out. Um, one of the things that she's really good at in general to is comedy, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, like I, we both watched Benditas. We did. Benditas is a piece of crap. It's, it's not a good ridiculous. movie. But it is so good to see her in that movie having a lot of fun. It's her and Penelope Cruz, and it's funny because she plays a Spaniard. Her father just returned from right. Spain. Penelope Cruz plays a Mexican, right? Which is reverse of reality. Correct. Um, this is also 
they both fall in love with Steve Zahn for some reason. For, and they both, like, have to make out with him. I was like, oh, uh, there is a really terrible scene where he, like, yells at them about the Mexican Revolution. Right. And I was just like, go fuck yourself. I was like, you, Steve, stop. We don't need the white man to tell the two Latino women that they... Wasn't the movie directed by a French person? Yeah. Oh, well, it was written by Luc Besson. Oh, who did, like... Fifth Element, right? Fifth Element and Leon the Professional and whatnot. Right. And it's very much a Luc Besson film, like, where his, his empowered women are also, like, giggly and fun. Um, right. The, um... But uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching that piece of crap. Yeah, uh, I mean, I was like, you can tell that those two women are such good friends. Yes, and I was like, they're having the time of their lives. Yes, and I and I, I would like to see her do more of that. And then uh, the other movie I wanted to mention, which is another not great movie, but she's really great in it, is um, this movie called. Uh, uh, oh, I've just lost it. Um, Lonely Hearts from 2006. She plays Martha Beck, the killer. Great. Um, it's a period uh, noir piece, and it's like James Gandolfini and John Travolta wow. and um, uh, Alice Krieg, who I love. Oh, and Laura Dern. Oh. And uh, yeah, and um, and unfortunately, Jared Leto, who plays yeah. her partner in murdering. And but she elevates his performance. Wow. Like she's so good and so like stone cold. And you'd like. I don't know. She's she's really good and like gorgeous in a nineteen and in like a very stylized nineteen thirties because they're not going for realistic nineteen thirties. Gotcha. They're going for like you know post Art Deco. Like you know every like she's immaculate in the film. Ugh, and just love it. Gorgeous, but also like like you know killing people as they're fucking Jared Leto, like <laughs> and then making him promise to love her forever. And like I love that. That's yeah. how I want to go out. I guess going into our fast forward. Also want to mention, uh, she has a new movie out right now. She does have a new movie out, and that's what I was hoping to cover in her Yeah, uh, so she's currently out in Beatriz at Dinner, which um, I want a part of me is like, oh, this is like, you know, a comeback. But she's been working steadily yeah. for a long time. Um, but this is kind of feels like a return to um, more serious things. And um, it's... Uh, so I watched it last week. You watched it yesterday, right? Yes. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's good. It's I, very good. Yeah, you know, I think it like maybe has some trouble at the end figuring out what it wants to be or like do. I, that yeah, if I have a problem with the film, it's the end. It's it's written by Mike White, who's the last thing he did was Enlightenment, which is a really so amazing. Good. Oh my god, some of the best TV you'll ever watch. Enlightened, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, um, with Laura Dern. With Laura Dern, exactly. And uh, some of the best TV you watch if you've not seen Enlightenment, go back. It's only two seasons. Uh, it does not have a satisfying ending, but you'll it's live. So good. Um, and I feel like this is sort of, this film is sort of a reaction to the stuff that he didn't get to do in Enlightened. Right. And um, there's a lot of environmental stuff happening yeah. in this movie. Um, I think a lot of people have said, you know, oh, this is like the first great movie, the Trump era. This yes. movie was like written before Trump happened. Like, yes. It was kind of but like, I feel like you could see that coming, yeah, that yeah. wave. That, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, very, like, kind of fish out of water. Also, she's not wearing, like, a, an ounce of makeup in this movie. She's wearing, like, sensible khakis and a blouse. And like, on top of the, like, not an ounce of makeup, like, uh, one of the things I loved and appreciated, um, she's in close up a lot. Yeah. And actually, a lot of her lines, specifically the, um, more condemning lines of the people, I guess we should explain the plot, but, uh, they're delivered directly to camera, which is right. a very old technique. Um, so like, it'll be her and then the reverse shot of the other person and they'll be looking above the camera. So what it does when you have an actor look directly into the camera, it does two things to the audience. It unnerves them right? because they're staring directly at you. 
And it's also a way of addressing the audience directly. Right. And um, there's a lot of filmmakers who use that really well. Uh, Jonathan Demi as one of them, R.I.P. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I really love that that choice was given right. for her, seeing her... Because she's gorgeous, too. Right. Not an ounce of makeup. Like, not wearing anything low-cut. Beautiful. Luminous. Yeah. Uh, but staring, Angry bangs. Angry bangs. Just staring directly into the camera, into the audience, and... Uh, it worked. Yeah. It, it was such a good choice. Yeah, so the movie is, uh, she plays Beatriz, who is a holistic healer who helps cancer patients and um, stuff like that. She is also a masseuse, and she goes to Connie Britton's house. Yes. Love Connie Britton. Um, and, and she's a rich white woman who has hired her to, you know, give her a massage before a big dinner party. She's also a friend of the family because she helped her daughter through some cancer treatment. Her car breaks down at this um, big mansion. And so Connie Brain's character says, why don't you just stay? It's only a couple people coming over. It's not a big deal. And it turns out everyone that shows up is white and awful. Yeah. And one is a very rich land developer, right. which is played by uh, uh, Jonathan Lithgow. Jonathan Lithgow. Is that his name? Jonathan Lithgow? Yeah. John okay. Lithgow. Okay. Yeah, John Lithgow. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's playing like some, like he is giving the scrumptious Jonathan Lithgow realness. Yeah. Um, and it's, he first mistakes her for a servant. Right. Yeah. And it's incredible. And as the, the night progresses and she drinks more and more, she becomes more emboldened. And as, as it's revealed how awful these fucking people are. Where are you from? Altadena. Ah. Where are you really from? I was born in Tlaltecutli, Mexico. Tlaltecutli. On the Pacific. It was very beautiful once. Mexico's awesome. I love Cancun. But now, many hotels, timeshare. A lot of crime, I think. And where are you from? Laguna. But we have houses in there. Well, we're all over. But where are you really from? I was born in Oaxaca. <laughs> no, no, I was born in San Diego. <laughs> She's not afraid to stand up and be like, hey, yeah, fuck you a lot. <laughs> yeah, yes. And, you know, and the, the, the tension, I mean, in that movie, she's a short woman. She's like 5'2". Oh my God, there's one shot too where she's walking with the other women. Everyone is towering over her. And, that, and that's the thing, like, it's not even just a race thing, it's a sex thing as well. Like, the women right. immediately go with the other women and whatnot. But there's there's this shot where they're walking your pool and literally it's like the next to shortest person is Connie Britton, who's like gotta be at least six foot in heels. Yeah. So it's like, Sama Hayek, who's like, what, 5'4? Uh-huh. I like 5'4. Connie Britton, Chloe Savigny, who's right. like, Bleh. a monster. <laughs> and like, the other actress who I cannot think of the name of, who's really fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, from Transparent. From, yeah, yeah. And she, she's also, and I was like, Jesus Christ, these yeah. women are like basketball players. I mean, there's, it's like, <laughs> even when, when, when they don't say things, they're like, they'll walk around the house yeah. and just leave her behind. And she's yeah. kind of like, following them around and like, she's having to ask the, like, uh, John John Early is like the I don't know house boy. Yes, and she's just like happy to be like, can I have some wine? And he's like, he gives her like he does like a really good like, oh honey, like yeah, you know, exactly. just like that look. There's another scene, and I won't get into it because I think you should go out to the theaters and see this movie. It's right. out now. I think it just spread wide or is spreading wide this week. Uh, that sounds dirty. I was like, <laughs> spread them words, <laughs> but uh, the uh, there's a line she delivers at a very heightened point in the movie where she says, "All tears flow from the same source," and it's great. And it would have been so much better if the white couple behind me hadn't been like, "What did she say?" Uh, <laughs> the theater man. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, but also uh, so. Th- 
going forward, what, what, what do you want to see? What do you think? Because I have a litany of things I would like her not to do. Right. Forward, I never so. want her to see her work with Adam Sandler again. Yeah. So that was uh, one of the great things about being a podcast and, and being able to set our own rules. I, I literally have a list of her movies. And the first thing I did was cross out any film in which she stars with Adam Sandler. I was like, not going to see it. Uh-huh. Grown Ups 1, Grown Ups 2, bye, not interested. Bye. Sausage Party, nope. Oh my god. Uh, I, I saw that like a while ago, not on purpose. And I was just like... This is the worst. Like Seth, like <laughs> Seth Rogen just could do whatever he wants. Yeah, so Hollywood will let Seth Rogen do whatever he Awful. wants. Awful. I do not want her to do that anymore. I want her to, like, and again, so in this role, she is playing a Mexican woman, and, like, it is not, like, in service to, you know, I mean, yeah, she plays a service uh, right. role, but, like, it is not in service to other people and what they want in, like, for the movie. Um, and she's she's so much better at doing those type of things. I think uh, what an incredible gift that Mike White was able to like write her this yeah. role. Um, she talks about for her and, birthday uh, they gave her the script and uh, directed by uh, Michael um, Arreta. 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 Yeah, and this is the third Mike White movie that he's done because uh, he also did Chuck and Buck and The Good Girl, and I love both those movies as well. Right. So, um, so I would just love for her. Uh, to, I mean, she. It's funny. She's fifty years old. Like, yes. and there are a lot of um, actresses who are now like. In, in her age range who are working a lot. But also, wasn't it refreshing to see her as a 50-year-old? Not right. She's not playing a mother. She's yeah. not playing... She's like, not playing a mom who's, like, trying to keep it sexy, not right. trying to, like, you know, oh, I've got to... Which I'm sure is exactly what she's doing in Grown Ups. Right. But whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, so I would, you know, I would love for her to maybe, like, take a, take a step back and be like, I don't have to make every movie that comes my way. I think for a long while she was like, I need to make everything so I can just, like, support myself and make sure I'm f- sound financially. Um, I think now I want her to lean back into being more picky and kind of like maybe doing the Reese thing and producing her own stuff and being like, you know what? I read this book. I love it. I'm buying the rights. And then I'm going to like, cause in Frida, she like really put her heart and soul into it. And like the result was just like amazing. It paid off. Yeah. I don't know if like there's another Frida left in her, but I would love for her to like nurture something that she really loves. Um, kind of like the prophet. Which yeah. is like an animated movie. Um, you know, I can tell she, she, she put a lot of herself yeah. into that as well. Yeah. yeah I mean, and, and it's a gorgeous movie. Um, and so I, 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 that's what I want. I, I want her to be, um, having more fun, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't want movies where she's being exploited. Yes. Well, that's my, I, I have a list of three very specific things that I would like, uh, from her. Um, no movies where she plays a sex worker or a stripper anymore. Great. And not because I have anything negative about them, but she's done it and she doesn't have to anymore. Right. Um, and she's still gorgeous. So I'm not saying that that's the reason why uh-huh. she, like, if she wanted to, she could play a stripper or a sex worker right now. Like, that's fine. And everyone would be like, uh huh, yes. But, but she don't need to. Uh-huh. Um, no more movies where her name is Lola. She, I saw three movies Dang. where her name was Lola. I was so annoyed. Uh, Americano, uh, After the Sunset, and um, uh, Living It Up. Uh, which is funny, because that's a French film, an American film, and a Spanish film. Uh, the one film she made in Spain. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like, none of you can think of, like, a quote-unquote more exotic name than Lola. Yeah. And then I thought it was really funny when I saw... Accessible. Be- exactly. I saw Beatrice at dinner, and one of her goats is named Lo- Lola. <laughs> and I was so happy about that, because I was just like, yes, <laughs> the dra- goats Lola. Drag them. <laughs> um... And uh, and I don't want her to star with Pierce Brosnan anymore. <laughs> that's, oh, Pierce. She's played Pierce Brosnan's love interest twice, and I I think I'm of the opinion Selma Hayek can do anything but have chemistry with him, and I really want to blame him. And I like Pierce Brosnan. I'm a big James Bond stan, but like, <laughs> yeah. no, yeah. just stop with the Pierce. 
Stop um, with the pierce. Cut to the feeling. Cut to the, um, but, but, uh, you know, if I, if I had to name things, yes, I wanted to do more dramatic stuff. I wanted to do more like adult comedy, not right. grownups. She is very funny. She has a yeah. great comic timing. Um, and, uh, I want her to sing more and like, she sings in a lot of these films and actually weirdly enough, except for Beatrice at dinner, most of the films are like, she's terrible at it. Uh-huh. And then she sings something and she's amazing. Yeah. Beatrice at dinner, they're like, we're not even going to pretend she's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So th- those are sort of the things I want from her career. She's, she's really fantastic. And I, yeah, like, like I hope- you said, I hope she pours more of her producerial sort of yeah. guidance into it and not... I mean, because you know. I, I really hope that there's, like, there's more to come from her. You yeah. know, I I don't want her to just, like, kind of, like, go away. Yeah. I really hope she, like, you know, like these, uh, like, uh, Helen Mirren, uh, 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 why am I blanking on her name? Meryl Streep. Like, yeah. these older actresses who are able to, like, kind of keep going and doing interesting things. I just don't think Hollywood maybe knows what to do with, like, an older, like, Latina woman. Well, that's that's what I'm scared of, too. And I'm scared of, like, Hollywood still treats her as though she's, like, this exotic bird. Right. And, like, they don't know what to do with this, like, this person. And so they just keep casting her in some of the roles. I totally forgot to mention, I blanked on this earlier, uh, there was this other great 90s queer movie I saw called Velocity of Gary. I don't know if you understand. I did it. watch it. I can't. It's, it's, like, it's not great, but it's really good. And it's, like, a 90s queer film that I had not seen before, which is ridiculous. Um, it's the most bizarre fucking movie it's really I've bizarre. ever seen. Um, I don't know if I'd call it very good. The, <laughs> I like, I really like things in it. I will admit there's an unfortunate too much reliance on her being, like, a hot, hot-tempered Latina, like, right. like, uh, don't do that so much, but at the same yeah. time, she, like, I don't know, any movie that begins, like, in the first couple scenes has a a lip-sync to a Patsy Cline song right. by a deaf drag queen. Right. I'm down for that. Um, they, oh my god, she does a Diana Ross lip-sync in blackface. In blackface. And that was, no, thank you. Because well, she, um, I guess that was a joke, like, she was like, oh, people say I look like Diana Ross. Yeah. And they're like, ha ha ha, and like cut to, like, a scene later, and she's, like, in the streets, I guess, I'm assuming at a Pride Parade. Yes, in it, blackface. well, it's the, it's the new NYC uh, Halloween Parade. Oh, Which okay. also, like, one of those things that you need to go to before you die, by okay. the way, Louis. So, NYC, Halloween. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've been there many times, so I probably will not go again, because it's in very Diana Ross, full drag. Oh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> totally. That's what I wear all the time. Great. Um, did you not notice? Hello. Um, <laughs> That's a day look. Um, but uh, the I'm glad it really ca- it like really captured it. Like it, it did a really good job at like giving you a sense of what it's like to be there. Um, the good portion of it. Right. It's also very crowded. As I said. It feels that movie did feel very like '90s New York. Yes. Um, from what I have heard. I yeah. Mean, but like it, it's a very bizarre movie. Vincent yeah. Onofrio wearing like. Some crazy hair. Yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio is a bisexual porn star. Right. Who is dating both Salma Hayek and Thomas Jane. Um, they have like a, they have like one of the longest gay kisses in like cinema history. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Work. <laughs> and, um, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed that movie. I if you're, like, in, if you're into weird, like, you know, it's, it's weird. Yeah. It's very weird. <laughs> and if you're into that stuff. The, I mean, it's also because it's a 90s queer movie, like, one of them gets AIDS. And like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh. Like, there is like a little, like, there was a little bit too much for me, like, um, smacking down on the drag queens. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, it all, yeah, it also begins with a gay bashing and that's yeah. rough. That's yeah. not. I was like, uh, what's happening with this movie yeah. already? Well, I also kind of hate, like, it, it's based off a play that's called The Velocity of Gary and Thomas Jane is the character of Gary, which it's not even his real name. Um, but, like, he's not very good in it. Right. 
And the character's terrible as well. Ethan Hawke's in the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ethan Hawke, who's, like, Vincent D'Onofrio's bestie. So, yeah. uh... But yeah, it's, she's very good at it. Sorry. But uh, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing her in another queer film, another queer-themed film. Oh, yeah. She, I mean, in Frida, she's making out with yeah. all the ladies. Well, she is in Time Code 2, and you see how that went out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? She's not afraid. Yeah, She's exactly. not afraid. She's we, not love, afraid. we love Salma because she's not afraid. Where can people find us online, Gavin? Oh, excellent. So, yes, in the closing of our show, uh, you can find us many places, including Twitter, at The Mixed Reviews. You can find us on Facebook by just putting The, the Mixed Reviews. Reviews. Yeah. You can contact us through Gmail at review mixed at gmail.com and uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, there's a bunch of stuff uh, on Google Play Music, um, we're also on uh, SoundCloud but it's not all of our episodes unfortunately um, someday we'll do that but I'm not willing to pay for it but not right now. And, um, uh, yeah and uh, please do contact us yeah. if you have any questions uh, if you Selma has such a big body of work if you have a favorite one let us know yeah absolutely we'll be putting up a poll on Twitter right um, please go vote yeah please go vote and also if you subscribe to us on Stitcher or iTunes I'm not sure you can do this on Google Play Music but uh, please rate and review us uh, because that lets other people find us mm-hmm. and we love other people Especially, not just you. Especially me, because I'm a slut. <laughs> I'm a slut for reviews. I, I, uh, I didn't want to say it, but I did think it's weird that you showed up with a red A uh-huh, on today. Yes. It's weird that you have to wear that. Hi. <laughs> court, court mandated. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's our show for this week, and we're going to go deliberate real quick on uh, who we're going to do for the next two weeks. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. See ya. Quiero ser en tu alma un momento feliz Te amaré por siempre, viviré dentro de ti En los días de dolor, siente mi amor Que vendrá con el viento, que vendrá con el sol En los ojos de Dios, lejos de ti Me verás en sueños, sentirás mis besos, mirás de mí.